0: I've resembled that before. Anyway, good morning, welcome. Thank you uh, for being here today. Uh, my name is Brian and uh, it is fun to be with you this morning. We're starting this series called Unstuck. And even though we're focusing on marriage relationships, uh, I, I believe that this is really a reality for, for all of us. At some point in our lives, we get stuck, right? We get stuck in, in behaviors or, or thought patterns in ways that uh, can be destructive or attachments, in all kinds of ways. Now here's the really good news in my mind, and that's this, is that God holds out the possibility that we can change, that we can actually, in the words of Paul, be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we can change. In fact, I want to read from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and because I think these verses are are serving as a theme for, for this whole series, but God, God actually gives us some steps that we can take to move from being stuck to unstuck. That we can move into a place of freedom and joy whatever wherever we find ourselves, if we're stuck. So let me read from Romans 12. It says, therefore, by the way, this is a summary Summary passage of what Paul's been saying. He's kind of summarized all these chapters before. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love what he has to say. He says, first of all, this. If you want to move from being stuck to unstuck with whatever, whatever that is you're stuck in, he said, first you need to understand God's love for you. And in view of God's love, all that he's done for you in Christ, the first step is this. Simply offer yourself your body, your whole being, your mind, your emotions, your will. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. That's step one. Just saying, Here I am, God. I'm here. I'm offering myself to you. And then he says, Don't be conformed. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't buy what the world's selling. The world doesn't often get it right. Don't buy into that value system. In fact, he says, go on, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, if you've been around Orchard for any length of time, you've heard a number of us from up front talk about this idea that we all have a boardroom, right, in a sort of a mental model. We have, a, we have our own little boardroom and we have voices in our own boardroom, right? And it's, it's through experiences, it's through history, it's, it's certain influences in our lives that these voices can, can speak really loudly. And so I think Paul is, is challenging us to saying, look, as a follower of Jesus, I want you to allow God to become the chairman of your board. When God becomes a chairman of your board, you want to learn how to listen to his voice. And allow his voice to become louder and more influential in your life. And as he does that, he reshapes our mental model, if you will. He changes us. He moves us from a place where we were stuck or in a pattern of behavior where we're stuck to a new place, he he promises change. We can move into a new way of being. In fact, as we learn to listen and heed the voice of God, he says, you'll know his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's an amazing promise. So who's the chair of your board? Are you learning to listen to his voice? So over these next few weeks, we're gonna actually apply these verses to specific areas of life, if you will. And today, I get to talk about money. All right. And here's why, okay? I have a slide for us to look at. Here's why this is such a big deal. And these are not words from me. This is from Dave Ramsey, who is a financial guru. And he's on the radio and he started this whole thing called Financial Peace University. Some of you have heard of that. And it's also from Les and Leslie Parrott, who are marriage and family therapists. They've written a number of books. But here's what they say about money. To you married couples and, and beyond, it is the number one issue couples fight about in marriage. The number one issue. In fact, the most common conflict in a marriage, they are saying, is that when a spouse hides a purchase from the other spouse. Some of you are going, oh, got caught. It's the number one issue. It's more than children, chores, work, or friends. Couples fight about money. On average, they say, about three times a month. Wow. Here's another reason why we need to talk about this. It's the number two reason given for divorce behind infidelity. Wow. So it's real conflict. And our thinking around this, and our patterns of behavior around this, we need to talk about. I also said two-thirds of marriages start out in debt all of a sudden, two people coming, usually student debt, right, coming together. And how do you handle that? Do you have a plan for that? Do you have a way forward with that? Have you thought about it? Do you know the stress that it can provide or create in relationship? And then this last thing, it's often not talked about in families or marriages. And so, This is my goal today. Friends, I wish I almost could have a one-on-one with all of you about this because I I really would like to have a conversation about this. My hope is that what I will do today is I'll bring up some things and that you would have the courage to actually talk to your spouse or to your family or to an accountability partner about some of these things. Not as a way to beat you up, but simply to say, do you have a plan? Have you talked about these things? Have you worked on some of these things? And so in order to talk about money, I've got this money matrix. There's four, I think, dimensions of how you approach money. I want to talk about each of these this morning. First is your money style. Second are budget skills. The third are financial fears that we all carry, we all have. And the last is death. And to be honest with you, these issues, it doesn't matter how much or how little money you have, all of us need to talk about. Because we all have certain styles. So let's talk about that, that first one, money style. What's your money style? Are you a saver or are you a spender? Now let me just say this, there's no right or wrong answer in this, okay? Okay? It's just a kind of a way of being. And I want you to see it as not a positive or a negative. Now, there is a shadow side to both of them. But, but what are you? What's your style? What's your basic style? And have you talked to spouses about it? So let me give you just a, like insight into uh, my marriage with, with Giselle. Uh, I'll tell you a story about her. How about that? She's not here. Yeah. Well, when she was a little girl and Halloween came around, she would dress up in her Halloween costume and she would bring her bucket and she'd go door-to-door, you know, like all the rest of us, and she would collect candy. Right? That's what Halloween's all about. We'd go and trick-or-treat and she would come back and then she would take her, her bucket of candy and she'd go to her room and she'd go to her dresser and she'd dump all the candy in her dresser. Okay? You know what her goal was? Not to eat it in the next 24 hours or the next you know week or so. No, she was going to store that so it would last until the very next year where she'd get in her costume and she'd go out and she'd collect again. Now, what do you think she is? She's a saver. Yeah. Now, in my own narrative, my own story. I grew up in a farm family and my dad decided that he was going to join the family business, joining with my grandpa, in the early 80s. Now for some of you, enough said, right? That was a really hard time to start farming. And so my family did not have a lot of things. And we looked for ways to sort of cut corners and my mom decided to go to work. And so I grew up with this sort of overall narrative of I'm a saver too. I understand the value of a dollar, right? So here we are, we two savers. You'd think we'd get along just fine when we get married, right? Wrong, we still had conflict. We still had to work through some things. Now here's the deal, here, here's one example. I remember Giselle, for whatever reason, she, she uh, loved clothes. But she would go out and look for bargains and, and then she'd come back and say, oh man, you wouldn't believe I got these six things for this amount of money. I kind of felt like she was like the Kohl's cashier. You know? She was telling me how much she saved. And I want to go, how much did I actually spend? But she would be so excited about the deals that she found. And, and I can remember going, you know what? I told her, made the mistake of telling her, you know, I'd really like to get a pair of shoes. And she just goes off. And she's going to, well, we can go to this store, they're having a sale over here, and we can go to this store, and we can check this out. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I have a pair of shoes that I want, right? See, I grew up in, in this home that said, you know, you may not be able to have everything you want, but you save up, and then you go buy that thing that you really want. Whatever the cost, it's like you save up for it. You know, you buy the quality thing, right? And so she said, well, why do you want those pairs? I could buy three pair for the same price. I said, well, I just want this pair, right? She said, well, and she just could not compute. And so she kept at it and she could, she'd come with home with, with pairs of shoes and I'm like, that's not the pair I want. I said, well, I can buy four pairs of these shoes. Finally, I gave in to her, right? I could buy one pair for a third of the cost. And it, it kind of got to me, but we had to talk through it. Now here some of you are spenders. In fact, some of you are spenders or perceived as spenders because of your role in the family. You're running your household. You need to buy things. In fact, Giselle is our household sort of runner, and she would often be the spender of the family and it would stress her out. I had to realize that she really is a saver at heart, and making choices was hard for her, and so for me to encourage her was to walk alongside her. Now some of you are natural spenders, and that's okay. You know what spenders do for us savers? You help us enjoy life. (laughs) You buy things and pursue experiences that we would never pursue on our own. It's a wonderful thing. But there's a shadow side to both of them. And I think here's the thing. It's, it's based on the same fear. Whether you're a saver or a spender, the fear is that we will never have enough. The saver hoards it, holds on to it. The spender just buys more. We'll never have enough. But here's what God says. Philippians 4 11 to 13. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So the question is, whatever style you are, are you talking about it? Growing in empathy for the other. Understanding who they are. But are you learning to be in contentment? Are you learning to be content? Let's move on. Second dimension. Budgeting. Now, budget, a budget simply is this, for me. It's simply a map for your money. Now, why would I say that? Well a map does a couple of things, it, it tells you exactly where you are and it shows you a way to get where you want to go. And so a budget simply says, hey, here's how we're going to get where we want to go with our money and it tells our money where to go. So there's a couple things you need to know if you're going to create a budget. First of all, you need to know your income. How much are you actually taking home? How often are you getting paid? Are you getting paid weekly, bi weekly, monthly, occasionally? How much are you actually making? You need to know the reality of where you are. What does it look like? How much and how often? And then the second thing you need to know you need to understand your expenses. Where is our money going? Where is it being sent, if you will? to actually track it, to understand it, and to have conversation around it. How are you doing in your budgeting skills? How do you do together? Are you actually talking about it? You know, it's funny, before GPS, I, I used to have this pretty good sense. I grew up in Iowa, okay? Everything's in a square. So you know, north, south, east, west, it's pretty easy to get around. You, you kind of think, I know how to get there, I'll figure it out on the way, right? Then I moved to the East Coast. It doesn't work that way there. I mean, you I got so turned around and so lost in, in direction, I just had no sense of it. And I think sometimes in our money situation, we think we've got a handle on it. Oh, I kind of know where I'm at. I know where we, I know what I need to do. But until you actually look at it, and actually sort of list it out. Knowledge is power, friends. So to budget it to say, I'm gonna create a map that will help me know where I'm at and know where I can go with God's help. When we were parents of young children, we used to do this thing where we'd give each of our kids uh, different jars, three different jars. One was a save or a give jar, one was a save jar, and one was a spend jar. So anytime they got a, an allowance, anytime they earned a little money, anytime they got birthday money, we wanted them to put some money in the give jar, some money in the save jar, and some and the rest of it could go in the spend jar. And we'd take the first jar to church, the give jar. Hey, we're going to give that, so we'd have them take it to church on occasion. And the, and the save one we'd take to the bank. And the last one was for their use, to learn how to use it, whatever, whatever they wanted to do with it. Now, that's a plan. That's a very simple budget plan. In fact, I call it the 10-10-80 plan. If you know what your income actually is, you say, I'm going to give the first 10% to God. The next 10%, I'm going to save for emergencies, save for the future. And then I'm going to actually live on this 80%. I'm going to live under the umbrella of this 80%. You know what? If you actually follow that plan, you will be fine, friends. You will accumulate wealth over time. You will have money for expenses, money to go on a trip, money to give. And some of you are going, whoa, how do I do that? Isn't that crazy? Here's what God has to say about that. Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then he says three words that aren't in any other place in the Bible. Test me, four words, in this. (laughs) Test me in this. He doesn't say that about anything else. Crazy and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me in this. What would that take to live 10, 10, 80? Have you been talking about a budget? Have you had conversation? Here's where Proverbs 12, verse 15 says this. The way of fools seems right to them. I've been a fool when it comes to directions. Because I really didn't know. But the wise listen to advice. What voice is going to get your attention? I want to move on to financial fears. I think there are at least four fears that that we all have. We, you probably have one of these, or a couple of them. Well, the first is lack of influence when it comes to money. That's the idea of not having a say in your financial approach. You know, sometimes, really there's one spouse in a marriage that, that kind of takes over the financial world. Here's the danger in that, and I just want you to be really careful and know that, that we don't want to use that as control. So how are you becoming a team? Are you willing to sort of admit that, yeah, I don't really have a lot of influence. I have, that's a fear. Well, can you speak into that? Or this idea of lack of security, and this is a real deal for a lot of people. It's not having enough to live on or enough for emergencies. It's like there's more month than there is paycheck. So can I face up to that and really figure out my map, my budget map and say, okay, what do I need to do? Do I need to increase my income? Do I need to cut expenses? What, what do I need to do? Am I willing to face that fear? Or here's one, lack of respect. It's not rece- re- receiving respect from your partner on finances. And I know this happens, and it happens in weird ways. I remember as a young married uh, couple, we were returning home. I was in grad school. We had no money. You know, we, I, I mean, it was crazy. And I had this fear that I wasn't providing well enough for my wife. And I remember that, that uh, Giselle's dad walked up to Giselle and handed her a check and said, here, here's some money for gas. Ooh, I just felt my tingly things go up on my back of my, my spine. I just got hot. You know what it was? It was my own fear that I wasn't doing my part and I was not being respected as a provider for his daughter. So I had some, some words with Giselle. Of course, I took it out on her, you know. Which is totally inappropriate. And I'm thinking, you know, today, he can write me a check any time he wants. <laughs> what am I thinking? You know? You know? You been there? Sometimes our own pride gets in the way or maybe your fear is not being able to realize your dreams not being able to do what you want or think you want to do in the future so are you willing to have the courage again to have conversation and are you willing to listen to the voice of God listen to what he says do not be anxious about anything But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Present your requests to God. Lay them your fears before him. And his peace and his understanding That's what you'll experience. Let me move on to this last dimension this this idea of debt. What is debt? It's dealing with money obligated to another. I don't know what your perspective is on debt. The Bible has a pretty clear perspective. In fact, it kind of blew me away the number of verses surrounding this. But Proverbs 22, verse 7 says this The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And I read that, you know, so true. I'm working my rear end off, trying to pay and and support this institution that I owe money to. Rather than turning that money into something that would allow me freedom. We get trapped. We become slaves to the lender. Now, Dave Ramsey would say there really is no good debt. The only good debt, if there is good debt, is, is debt on an appreciable asset. Something that gains value over time. Well, that's not a lot of things. Maybe a house, maybe a business. What's your plan? How are you going to deal with debt? Now, the beautiful thing is we have some steps for you. And I want to tell you a story, some stories of God at work in our midst. A couple years ago, we started offering Financial Peace University. It's a nine-week class. And Andrew and Brenda Loop have done three classes here on the Cedar Falls campus. Let me, let me just tell you what's happened. Participants in that class have paid almost $112,000 worth of debt off. That's amazing. They've also saved almost $90,000 getting that emergency fund up. And they cut up 45 credit cards. Two families actually started giving for the first time. Four families started giving significantly more. Now, in Grundy, we've also started uh, financial peace, and Kyle and Emily Strobing have helped lead lead the way there. They've they've completed one class. They're actually starting another class. That first class retired $26,000 in debt. They cut up nine credit cards. And he said, this next group is really into it. There's 13 people in this class, in this next group, 12 of whom have no connection to Orchard. It's crazy. But they want to come, and they're gaining momentum. I said, what is this doing? He said this, he said this to me. He said, it's changing marriages. I said, why? He said, because it takes things that have been on the back burner and puts it forward. And it helps people get on the same page as a team. And they start talking. And it's an intentional process that works. Friends, Romans 12, verse 16, says this. Live in harmony with one another. Money... And our money patterns and our thinking around money can create conflict. Are you willing to have some conversation around these things? Listen to verse 18 in that same chapter. It says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. How about peace in your own home? Why not have a conversation about some of these things? Get on the same page with some of these things. I also just want to close today by addressing a specific group of people. Some of you are beyond sort of raising your family or in a place where you've accumulated a significant amount of means and wealth. I've seen more families torn apart in the passing off of those kinds of legacies than I care to imagine. And you maybe have too. So I would say to you, Have you presented that to the Lord? Do you have a plan? Have you considered how that might impact the kingdom for good? Have you thought about and made decisions about how that's going to bless your children and your grandchildren? Or are you just going to leave it up to them? I would encourage you not to. Have a say, make a plan, teach your values. And create a budget or create some sort of plan where you are actually saying, this is how this could be used for good. Friends, if you're stuck, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can change. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your generosity towards us, your love for us. You love us so dearly and you provide for us so richly in so many ways. We thank you for your Son, Jesus, whom Paul says is the foundation of of how we are to live, to know that we are loved by you. God, help us to step into that, to know that, to receive that gift. Then help us, Lord, to understand how we can be faithful stewards of the things that you've given us. And Lord, if there is significant conflict around this whole idea of money and possessions, Lord, may you bring peace and reconciliation. And hope for those who are maybe struggling. Just speak into our hearts, we pray.